Mele Kaliki Laka, and welcome to Pick 6 Movies, where each season we select six movies all related to just one single theme. We examine the history of the people in front of and behind the camera to try to make sense of how and why each of the movies was made, and then we discuss each one in way too much detail to see if they're naughty or nice. And with this episode 6, we put an end to this season's theme, The War on Christmas, Movies. I'm Chad Cooper, and along with my co-host, Bo Ransdell, we are taking on six of the most loved and vehemently defended Christmas movies of all time. And throughout this season, there's one person who has been all but ignored in all of our previous five movies. And depending upon who you ask, he's the reason for the season. He's truly the person most associated with Christmas because, well, it's the day that we celebrate the day of his birth and the impact that he had on the history of all mankind. I'm speaking, of course about Santa Claus. Sure, we saw Jim Carrey dressed up as the Grinch, dressed up as Saint Nick. Santa Claus briefly screamed out in fear as he fell to his death after Tim Allen barked at him to get off his rooftop. A terribly confused little girl thought Chevy Chase was the man in red. And we saw Jim Belushi and Ken Hudson sully the crimson suit in their own unique ways. But shouldn't the big man get some time in the spotlight all by himself? Well, you're damn right he should. And to discuss Santa Claus the man, Santa Claus the myth, Santa Claus the legend, let's hand things over to Bo Ransdell as he introduces us to Santa Claus the movie. Happy birthday, Santa. Dateline North Pole. Our target, Santa Claus. Known aliases, St. Nicholas, Father Christmas, Kris Kringle, Père Noel, Jolapuki, Sinterklaas, and Fatty and the Deer, and The Man Who Killed Superman. His MO, breaking and entering, leaving behind consumer goods, deer wrangling, occasional tinkering. No winter festival, as this season of Pick 6 Movies most certainly is, would be complete without a look at the character that has been at the heart of our discussions, the jolly old elf himself, Santa Claus. The origins of Santa Claus date back to the 4th century, when St. Nicholas of Myra served as a Greek Christian bishop. He was noted for giving gifts to the poor of Myra, especially famous for supplying dowries to three daughters of a local Christian so that they didn't have to become prostitutes. You know, Christmas. When he died, part of his skeleton was moved to the Italian city of Bari, where a basilica was constructed. Not to be outdone, Venetian sailors took all the smaller pieces of his skeleton and took those to Venice, where a church was built. With his bones spread across two cities, St. Nicholas became a patron saint for all kinds of things. Archers and sailors and pawnbrokers, even the cities of Moscow and Amsterdam. In the 16th century, England had given the feast of St. Nicholas the soot-covered boot and had moved that celebration to December 25th. The figure of Father Christmas came into popular English culture at this time, generally seen as a tall figure in green or red robes, and Victorian England appointed him a sort of Christmas ambassador, representing the ideals of good cheer, drinking, and merrymaking. In Northern Europe, this is all screwed up. Cinderclaus, the presumed direct ancestor of Santa Claus, is still commonly used as the celebratory mascot of Christmas. Santa Claus is known as De Kerstman, or the Christmas Man. Folks who prefer Santa Claus give gifts on December 6th, the day of the Santa Claus, and De Kerstman fans celebrate on December 25th. Some greedy Dutch celebrate both. In Belgium, only kids get presents on the 6th from Santa Claus, while any aged person gets a gift on Christmas Day. 
Also worth noting, in the Swiss-German region of Belgium, Semiklaus is our holiday sprite and is accompanied by the much more interesting Schmutzli, who spanks naughty children with a broom. A lot of this harkens back to the pre-Christian age when much of Europe celebrated Yule, a midwinter pagan celebration that occurred about the same time as our modern Christmas, and a lot of the Yule traditions found their way into our modern holiday. During the Yule celebration, Odin would ride across the sky in a procession called the Wild Hunt, and this bearded flying deity was strangely similar to another bearded man flying through the night sky. But what about some of his other distinguishing characteristics? Where did he get the idea for chimney-based entry into strangers' homes? Well, that probably came from ancient lore involving elves and fairies using chimneys to bring gifts to families. Odin, the guy with the wild hunt, also used chimneys to enter homes, but it was really Twas the Night Before Christmas that popularized this method of traversal. All of these early representations were tossed into the big cauldron of European history. Sinterklaas and Father Christmas and Odin and St. Nicholas were all placed in the flypod of culture infused into one being we know in these United States as Santa Claus. The first time the name Santa Claus is known to have appeared in print in the United States was in 1773. Washington Irving goofed on the idea some in 1809's History of New York portraying Santa Claus as a fat Dutch sailor with a pipe and a green coat. In 1821, we get a little closer to a modern representation with a poem titled Santa Claus with Much Delight from the book A New Year's Present to the Little Ones from 5 to 12. That's a very specific title, and might I add, limiting to a modern audience that also entertains adult coloring books. Side note, adults should knock that off. In this poem, Santa Claus is described as delivering gifts to children with the now familiar reindeer sleigh. On December 23, 1823, the Troy, New York Sentinel published an anonymous poem entitled A Visit from St. Nicholas, or more popularly, Twas the Night Before Christmas. Depending on who you listen to, this was written by either Clement Moore or Henry Livingston Jr., and there are good arguments on both sides. Regardless of the true author, however, the poem introduced the names of Santa's eight reindeer. You know, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Dunder, and Bixum. Wait, what? Who put these knockoff reindeer in this poem? Actually, Dunder and Bixum were Dutch variations of Donner and Blitzen, which were German words for thunder and lightning, as were Dunder and Bixum in Dutch. In 1845, the name Kris Kringle emerged in parts of the United States, and this figure was quickly fused with St. Nick or Santa Claus, which had all come to mean the same heavyset gift giver. In 1863, editorial cartoonist Thomas Nast created a portrait of Santa Claus wearing, naturally, an American flag, and I presume holding a flea market shotgun and one of those Budweiser tallboys that just says America on it. But between Nast and poet George P. Webster, who wrote some of the copy that accompanied Nast's art, the idea sprang forth that Santa lived at the North Pole. And around 1890, Santa got a wife, too. In 1902, L. Frank Baum, the Wizard of Oz guy, published The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, which invented all kinds of wacky stuff. He grew up among immortals in the Laughing Valley of Ho-Ha-Ho, -Ho, when Ack, the master woodsman of the world, gives Santa a peek at the sorrow and poverty going on, Santa vows to bring joy to the children of the world, namely through toys. The 1930s were really big for Santa, literally. Haddon Sundblom used his own likeness to create the cherubic Santa we know today. 
These appeared in Coca-Cola ads, eventually joined in the ensuing decades by Santa's sidekick, Sprite Boy. But the red and white clad Santa was imagined before Coke ran their print ads. It's just that Sunblom put it all together, inspired by Twas the Night Before Christmas. As the legend of Santa grew in the minds of children and their older caretakers, people dressed up as Santa began appearing at storefronts, collecting money for the Salvation Army. In 1937, a store Santa established the Charles W. Howard Santa School, which you can still attend this very day. All of this, of course, culminated in the perfect encapsulation of the Santa mythos, 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. After the one-two punch of craptacular movies Superman 3 in 1983 and Supergirl in 1984, veteran producers Ilya and Alexander Salkind needed a hit. Ilya Salkind came up with the idea of Santa Claus the Movie, while Supergirl was still in post-production and executives at TriStar were sure the movie was going to be a giant hit. When Supergirl premiered, however, it was a critical and financial failure, and a movie we'll probably get around to on this very show. Yep, it is that bad. Ilya Salkind came up with the story and David and Leslie Newman took on the screenwriting duties, though Leslie Newman was left off the credits. Most interestingly, another Pick 6 alum, John Carpenter, was originally courted to direct this movie. In John Carpenter fashion, he wanted to take another swing at the script and insisted on final cut of the movie, meaning we would have had John Carpenter's Santa Claus the movie. Some things are too good for a world like this one. Ultimately, directing duties fell to Jeannot Schwark, who directed Supergirl for the Salkinds and was attached before the aforementioned Superdud landed in theaters. A lot of the visual effects were done by the same teams who had worked on the Superman films, so they had that going for them. To play the main elf patch, the Salkinds had always wanted Dudley Moore. Ilya Salkind recalled a scene in Moore's excellent film Arthur, where Liza Minnelli referred to Moore as Santa's little helper. Moore was also responsible for the name of the character being changed from Ollie to Patch, which was a nickname for Dudley Moore's own son. That's nice. Dudley Moore deserves more than an honorable mention, but we don't have time to do this impish, charming actor justice here. If you're unfamiliar with Dudley Moore, check out the original Bedazzled with his longtime partner in comedy, Peter Cook, and you can do a lot worse than to spend an evening with the aforementioned Arthur. John Carpenter wanted Brian Dennehy as Santa, but Ilya Salkind eventually pushed for David Huddleston, who exuded more, you know, human warmth. Also noteworthy, there was a brief period where Carol O'Connor was being considered. That's right, Archie Bunker. Now that's a Christmas movie I desperately want to see. Huddleston, though, was a veteran character actor who ultimately worked for over half a century, and any actor who can say that is A-OK -okay in my book. To round out the main cast, they needed to fill the shoes of the film's villain, BZ. Salkind wanted Gene Hackman, or a Gene Hackman type, but actor after actor, including Gene Hackman himself, turned the role down. Harrison Ford, Dustin Hoffman, even our own Burt Reynolds all gave BZ the old heave-ho. Finally, John Lithgow signed on, and we are all the better for it. His performance is either the best or worst thing about tonight's film, you be the judge. But Lithgow is not necessarily known for his restraint, especially in villain roles like Cliffhanger and Raising Cain. So, on November 27th, 1985, with a budget of around $50 million, Santa Claus the Movie arrived in theaters, and it did not go well. Critics gave it a drubbing, citing the scene-chewing of one Jonathan Lithgow and the cheap production design. 
Oh, also, there are about a million instances of product placement. The worst offender being McDonald's, but keep an eye out for Coke and the oldest of holiday beverages, Pabst Blue Ribbon. You may recall I refer to Santa as a Superman killer, and here's why, ladies and gentlemen. After the box office bombing of Santa Claus the movie, Ilya and Alexander Salkine were forced to sell the Superman property to Canon Films, which of course led to the final nail in the Superman coffin, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Thanks for nothing, Santa. But before its theatrical release was done, it collected about half the production budget, and Santa Claus the movie was largely tossed on the dustbin of holiday history. Until now. But is this movie really as bad as all that? Doesn't it contain an ounce of Christmas cheer for us to enjoy? And why does everyone reverse words joined by a conjunction in this thing? For these answers, I turn to my partner Chad and offer you, ladies and gentlemen, Elves and Sprites, 1985's Santa Claus, the movie. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pick 6 Movies, episode 6, the finale, the big winter extravaganza of uh, season 4 of Pick 6 Movies. I am Bo Ranstall. With me, as always, is the uh, the the Christmas imp, the jolly old elf himself, uh, Chad Cooper. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Bo. Excellent. Because we have before us, Chad, uh, Santa Claus the Movie, a movie that I saw probably a solid dozen times as a kid. That that's interesting. This is a movie that I saw yesterday. Right, right. <laughs> I see. This is the reverse situation I've been in most of the season, where you're like, "Hey, what about any of the movies we've discussed?" Like Jingle All the Way, where I'm like, "I ain't ever seen that," and you're like, "No, no, no. I've seen it a bunch of times." Now we have the reverse scenario where I've seen the Santa Claus, uh, not the Santa Claus, Jesus Christ, Santa uh, Santa Claus the movie, the motion picture. A bunch of times as a kid, it was one of those things that we had on VHS, which I think we got the VHS from McDonald's, you know, is during those heady days where you could get video entertainment uh, and a Big Mac in the same place. Uh, yeah, I got a copy of Dances with Wolves once upon a time from McDonald's. Yeah, they had that and like Batman, I think the the Tim Burton Batman <laughs> was one you could get like just weird shit that, you know, this is popular. Have one of these and we'll give you a milkshake. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine got coronary heart disease from McDonald's <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, just give it time, Lowenstein. I'm right behind him. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want another take on that joke, you know, another friend of mine got diarrhea from McDonald's. It's just his favorite. <laughs> uh, diarrhea or coronary trouble. And I've had them both at separate times. <laughs> so so let's just get into this thing and, and start unwrapping the delightful Christmas package that is Santa Claus the movie. I think this movie is delightfully shitty. And before we start recording, you were saying, like, I think this is a, almost kind of a bummer of a movie because it's kind of a slog. But that's the beauty of it, Chad, um, is that it is daring you to like it at every turn. 
I feel like this movie was made with the first draft of a screenplay that was cobbled together from three or four different screenplays because none of it makes any sense and it jerks from one plot to another and it's constantly introducing new characters in the middle of act two and act three. It's it's just a hodgepodge of confusion. But yeah, it's a real mess. But let's begin this hodgepodge of confusion, which was probably my favorite Genesis song, um, by looking at the stars. We open on just a, a, the panoply of space and a shitty Christmas yeah. song begins playing. Yeah, this song sounds like something that would come out of a six-year-old little girl's mouth when her parents forced her to to make up an original Christmas song for people that have come over for dinner. And because the lyrics are every Christmas Eve, we're part of a miracle. Every girl and boy shares the joy. If they believe you can share it too. just believe in the miracle. You will carry joy with you every Christmas Eve. From the, the writers of the music for all dogs go to heaven comes (laughs) a Christmas banger. I'm so happy you said that because as I watched this movie, I got about two thirds of the way through it and I thought the only way this movie could be better, and by that I mean worse, is if the entire thing was animated by Don Bluth with the same cast of voice actors. Yeah, it's that kind of movie. I don't know that it's as head scratching as All Dogs Go to Heaven, but it's pretty close, man. Um, all right, because all right, so as the shitty song is playing. We're we're descending through the clouds to this uh, like village or this uh, common house or something. I don't know wherever the fuck these Vikings live. (laughs) And it's an old woman. Is that what they are? I are they Vikings? I don't know what they are. Yeah, it's a good question, Chad. And it's never the question is never asked in the movie, much less (laughs) answered. There is no sense of time or place until we get it much later into the movie when it gets around to be like, oh yeah, by the way, I don't know, 14th century maybe. So, so this old lady is like, oh, children, on very special nights, uh, the North Star would shine down and then lights would appear everywhere. And it's like, what are we doing in this hovel? Listen to this old woman. And like, this is how most horror movies start. When she starts telling the story about the Vindigum, and she's like, oh, yes, children, they only come out on special nights, the Vindigum. And it's like, oh, the Vindigum are absolutely going to kill somebody in this movie. When I first heard her say Vindigum, I thought she said Wendigo. And I got excited. I was like, are we going to see a flesh-eating snow monster? But then it turns out I just heard her wrong. And I was like, oh, well, Vindigum are just another word for elves. But you know what? In the back of my head, I'm thinking... Maybe a Wendigo is going to show up. Hey, it happened in, you know, Rudolph's Shiny New Year. Um, so. <laughs> Anything's possible. Right. Uh, Duck Henning had it exactly right. Um, so there's this little prick kid at the window and who's who's like, listen to this old bat yapping. When's the dude showing up? There's no less than 18 people by my count, plus a baby and a, a lamb and two dogs in this like 400 square foot shack that they're living in. <laughs> right. It's... It's too big to be like a, a proper hovel, but it's far too small to be like oh, everyone lives here. I don't know what's happening. I don't know where we are. Like, unless the old lady was just like, well, I'm when I first moved here, there were 14 of us and one by one they died of the elements and fuck you. No one else is moving in. 
You know, like I let you in once a year to eat some cookies and hear this story and now get the fuck out. When I was a kid back in my day, we called sandwiches Flat Freddy's and it cost four playing cards a bite. (laughs) Right. And the natural reaction to hearing something like that is this kid at the window like, listen to this old broad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Right. Am I right, everybody? Uh, so some lady is like, oh yes, you know, he'll, he'll be sure to come and you know, it's, uh, Christmas, it wouldn't be Christmas without him, which again, at least gives us some sense of place because it happened after the birth of Christ. That is the only clue we've gotten so far. And so then David Huddleston, uh, our Santa arrives pulled by two reindeer instead of the usual eight. One of these reindeer is healthy and well-trained and the other one that's pulling him looks like it's about to die from exposure. I mean, it can barely stand up, let alone walk. Don't even begin to think about pull a sleigh. Oh, Chad, we are going to get to <laughs> how shitty these deer are in just a second. First, though, we have to watch David Huddleston extort love from the children because they're all like, hey, man, where's our gifts? Like you come around once a year and give us all gifts and we all think that's real cool. And uh, he's like, well, until I hear Happy Christmas from everyone, no presents. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, if you're doing this for the love of the game, you know, you're not like well where's my hog children you know i like how everybody in this house has a different accent like some are british some are cockney he's american you know there's like an irish guy in the corner there's somebody i'm sure up in the loft that's like <laughs> right like 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 untuku over here mm-hmm. wanted you to know that he wishes you a very merry christmas as well uncle claus We'd love to get a present for Yashnish here, but none of us speak Urdu. Do you speak Urdu, Uncle Claus? Because he seems so sad. Uh, So he's given him a bunch of toys that he made himself and, you know, Mrs. Uncle Claus uh, has one of the creepier lines where she's like, oh, look at him giving out all those presents. He gets such pleasure from it. I'm like, ew, ew. That's just not the way to phrase that, you know? The two women the two women that she's talking to are like, where does he find the energy? We know that he cuts all of the timber for the entire village with his huge arms and from what I've heard, his giant dick. But how does he find time to make toys for <sighs> the children? Oh, is it getting hot in here? Is it just me? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, he's a real honk in, I don't know, pre-Christmas Viking at times. I don't know. I don't know when or where we are, Chad. He's probably 28 years old. I mean, just, <laughs> just like, uh, these are hard times, man. You age fast. <laughs> well, I'm a smoker. So um, outside, the, the reindeer Muppets are starting to look a little uneasy about the storm blowing in. And maybe now is the time to talk about the fact that these do, in fact, look like Muppet reindeer most of the time. If you, mm-hmm. if you saw the Santa Claus and thought, mm, that's a little too fancy, uh, if you ask me, for, for robot deer, is there any way to make those a little shittier? And Santa Claus the movie's got you covered because these things look like there is, and I'm sure there was, a hand shoved up right to the mouth. If you watch any of the scenes where the reindeer are um, teamed up, where they would be lined up, you know, what, 
four by two. They only shoot him in two by twos, meaning that you'll see Santa and four reindeer in front of him, or you'll see four reindeer at the front. You never see all eight at one time. So clearly they only had at best four of these things <laughs> that they could shoot. Like the special effects stuff, you see eight reindeer, but every time else that you see them, it's always just the four. Yeah. it And there's one, and I think it's Donner is the real little punk of the reindeer clan. We'll get to... to him more specifically but it's just like man not only are the are we going for much like the santa claus we're going for the reindeer as kind of characters in the movie which i don't think is wrong for a movie about santa claus but like the defining characteristic of one of them is that donner just kind of sucks you know yeah (laughs) So, speaking of, Donner and Blitzen are being talked up by Santa, not Santa at this point, just Uncle Claus, creepy Uncle Claus from the woods. Um, And he's like, oh, Donner and Blitzen, they can get through anything, and we've got to go because there's another, I don't know, enclave, uh, another cult hall (laughs) uh, across the way, so we've got to get there uh, because those kids need toys too. And I'm so emotionally needy that your love and adoration isn't enough and i'm willing to risk the death of me my wife and our team of reindeer just to get a little more so uh it turns out the storm is in fact very bad and the the entire time that he's making the trek to this other meeting hall or whatever he's kind of cheerleading the reindeer like again this Mm -hmm. fat bastard's not like getting out and pulling the team or nothing he's just like you can do it donner and blitzen go on boys where, you know, what do you, but what about those kids who need toys? Come on, fellas. Yeah, I don't think these reindeer understand comprehensive thought and concepts such as love and commitment. I think they understand, like, the, they understand the carrot and the stick. You know, maybe simple commands like go and stop. And that's about as far as uh, their level of comprehension is, is going to reach. But yeah, he's, he's definitely cheerleading them so much so that uh, they just stop pulling the sleigh and drop down out of exhaustion and i think it looks like they're going to die and then uncle claus runs back and gets together with his wife to try to keep some heat between the two of them and then everyone just realizes this is the moment of my death and then all of them die yeah it's the ending of the mist. It's one of the greatest things in this movie where we're not 10 minutes into this film. Santa, Mrs. Claus, and his reindeer are fucking dead. Merry Christmas, everybody. See you next year. How did parents respond to this? Like, we're going to go see Santa Claus, the movie, and they're dead. And it's, here's, they're dead differently than the way Santa Claus was dead in The Santa Claus, which in this case this death is worse than when tim allen scared santa and he fell off the roof because arguably maybe that was an accident but we'll let the court sort all that out in this case to your point it's santa mrs claus and two named reindeer that we know just close their eyes slowly in a snowstorm and just drift off into whatever happens when you die well i'll tell you what happens when you die chad you see a bright northern star And it starts shining down, and then you wake up to this new plane of existence. Much much like Jonathan Edwards, Chad, they have crossed over. <laughs> yeah, at this point, all of the Wendigos, damn it, the Vendigums, show up, and they abduct Uncle Claus and Mrs. Claus, and they take them prisoner back to their invisible ice toy factory. At least that was my read of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's one of the, the Vendigum, 
Which, now that you say Wendigo, all I want to see is a movie where <laughs> Santa has to fight an army of Wendigo with an axe or something. That would be fucking great. So, uh, so one of these old bastards is named Dooley. And he says, well, we've been expecting you. And when uh, Uncle Claus is like, hey, where am I? And Dooley's like, well, you're dead. Oh, I mean, home now. <laughs> uh, and so Pat- It's frightening. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a bunch of little people surrounding a sleigh after you have clearly gone to sleep in the frozen snow. Like why why he never thinks to ask can, like can I see my relatives or is my mother here? Like are there old dogs I had? Like what what are, what is the upside of going with the Vindigum to their creepy village? There isn't one, which we're soon going to find out. Well, all right. So we also meet Patch, as played by Dudley Moore, who is uh, a national treasure, or was until he died. And he's checking out the sleigh and talking about how shitty it is. I'm just like, oh, look at this single braid of the... I can't do a Dudley Moore impression unless it's drunken Dudley Moore, and that doesn't seem right for this, uh, this movie. Yeah, in this movie, Dudley Moore has a really good Dudley Moore accent, sans the alcoholic-induced slurred speech and the spontaneous involuntary laughter at the end of every sentence yeah instead he just reverses words a bunch which is annoying yeah it's real bad but patch tells mrs uncle claus that she's really young and pretty which causes her to blush a bit and then patch tells her not to be damn it he says i'm not stumbling on my words i'm just reluctant to say this out loud he says don't be elf conscious oh and this is the first of many puns where patch replaces the word self with the word elf and it just makes you want to throw your shoe at the tv oh it it makes me inspires me to elf pleasure chad um i it it is one of the more irritating things about this movie but again because i've seen this so many times now it's one of the things i kind of love about it because it's so bad it like the first time they do it it's like okay just how about you knock that off for the rest of the movie but no no it is oh man it just feels you with elf hatred um patch follows patch follows it up and says that uncle Claus gives him a real feeling of elf confidence. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Oh, I know. Just twisting the knife on you. And so at one point, Uncle Claus says like, hey, you you guys keep talking about home and this little guy's coming on to my wife. Where are we? And they're like, oh, look again, Santa. And then a village appears. And at one point, like Mrs. Claus pinches uncle claus to prove like they're awake and it's like yeah that it's not a dream yeah right but here's here's the thing that this movie uh kind of postulates is that if you are a ghost chad you can pinch another ghost maybe and like there's a real sixth sense vibe to all of this dan Aykroyd got a blowjob from a ghost right what was the uh citizen like citizen kane style if a snow globe tumbled at the end of this movie and shattered and Santa realized that he had been dead all along after all these centuries. Like that fits my idea of what this movie is ultimately about. You're overthinking this. This movie's just a piece of shit. <laughs> so, all right, inside this big giant uh, Santa's workshop. <laughs> and, you know, we, we spend a bunch of time in this movie just grab-assing around the workshop and Santa's being taken around. And it's this bright, colorful, mostly wooden kind of... Uh, like... Uh, 
I I think it's a pretty impressive set that they've built. They dropped a couple of nickels on this thing. I mean, there and in this set, like everything is giant and wooden. There are multiple levels. There's a depth of the set, and there are a lot of adult elves working in this factory. And the camera pans around, and you see just the massiveness of this place. And these elves are so desperate for positive reinforcement. When Uncle and when Uncle Claus comes in, he says, "Well, isn't this something?" And the elves are beside them. Themselves. They're like, oh, he said it's something. That's a quote from the movie. Uh-huh. It'd be like if he said, he was like, if he had said, well, look at this, he called it a this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if, if Uncle Claus said, hmm, he used a word with multiple consecutive M's in the spelling. That's good, right? He likes us, right? Right? Yeah. You desperate, needy <laughs> asshole. Yeah. I, they're, but it's codependency now, Chad, because Uncle Claus, who clearly has needed this kind of attention, is now paired with a, a, apparently a race of people who are just there to be sycophants to him. <laughs> They take Uncle Claus into this toy warehouse that they've been stockpiling for centuries, I guess. And it looks like an Amish Toys R Us. It's all wood-carved hobby horses and ducks and nutcrackers and seesaws and what we would call old-timey, mostly lame toys. Not <laughs> just a bunch of not even mostly lame toys, Chad. <laughs> These are the worst of the worst. It's all just wooden shit that rolls. That's the best you're gonna get out of any of these. It you know what? The closest thing you're going to find today to this is the top shelf in the general store at a Cracker Barrel. You're exactly right. It would be like giving a child like one of those peg games and being like, here you go. Merry Christmas. Or what the fuck is this? Bunch of golf tees and a triangle of wood. No, thank you. Dude, that would be great. This stuff is more like, hey, here's a two dimensional goose with two wheels on it and a string. Like, what the hell do I do with this? Just walk around with it? Yeah. Like how many people have played goose? You know? <laughs> honk, honk, look how he follows me around, mother. Honk, honk. Unduku, what do you think? He says it Is sucks. I- <laughs> Unduku's got it going on. That's a real piece of shit toy you got there. Unduku's the smartest one on the house, man. Right. He just sits back and watches everything unfold. And so, after... <laughs> like Unduku. Uh, so, after... Uh, they show the Amish warehouse off. Uh, Patch drops a real turd in the punch bowl when they go into like where the, the elves' communal room, uh, where all these elves sleep together. And uh, he's like, yeah, I've had an idea about how to uh, heat it with pipes. And everyone looks at him. It's a real like, fucking shut up, Patch. <laughs> like nobody is having any of it like the other elves are sick of hearing about it santa doesn't know what the hell this elf is talking about you know it's it's one of my favorite reactions in the movie which shut up and th- then uh they're telling him like hey your gig is you're gonna take uh these toys in the warehouse to all the children of the world and he says look i'll never live long enough and they're like no no you're dead oh ooh, i mean you'll live for Forever, like us. One of us. One of us. Yeah, it's a real gobble, gobble, gobble. One of us. One of us. 
Oh, man. <laughs> At this point, I was truly terrified. Like, because Uncle Claus n- takes all this in stride. He never asks for clarification of what's going on. They just explain it. And he's like, mm-hmm, okay, all right, that's that sounds good. I can follow along with that. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. I see what you're doing here. Mm-hmm, I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now an immortal. I'm going to be delivering presents that you've made to children all around the world. Mm-hmm, okay, this is all, this all makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you, uh, Patch, was it? Would you mind attending my reindeer? I'm going to take the missus to bed now. And... <laughs> 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 so you know citizen santa takes off and patches in the barn trying to get donner to eat because donner as we pointed out kind of sucks in this movie like he's the one that just decided nope we're not going anywhere in this snow i guess this is where we die that was on donner originally <laughs> and then he gets to he gets to this barn where he is perfectly safe and warm now i mean albeit dead and patch is trying to give him this moss or whatever it is the that reindeer eat and uh by the way we get a little bit of elf control in this one and patch then introduces all of the other reindeer and he's like well you know here's comet and cupid and cupid is kind of the sexy one that's like looking around the edge of the uh stall like hmm see i thought cupid was taking a shit (laughs) like i'll be done in a minute well that's as romantic (laughs) as reindeer get like your options are limited because you're a reindeer there are only so many ways to express yourself <laughs> and then there's a couple where he's like oh this one has a ring on one eye this one has a ring on the other eye and me as a viewer like am like never gonna remember that i don't know who those reindeer are for the rest of this movie then that's all i got to go on with the the subtle coloration around one of these puppet eyes no thanks uncle claus asks patch he says hey well, why do we need all these reindeer and then patch says oh you'll see and then claus says well this is a curious place and that's it no follow-up <laughs> And then Patch says, well, you think it's curious now. Wait till it's time for season's greetings. And Uncle Claus says, well, what's that? And Patch says, oh, you'll see. And if I'm Claus, I'm thinking that I am going to be ceremoniously sacrificed and eaten by the Wendigo. Excuse me. Shit. Vendigum. The elves. Like, <laughs> let me, what? Let me give you a counter joke that is the same joke. <laughs> At some point, Christopher Lee is going to show up and lead this guy to a giant wicker reindeer and get his ass burned alive. (laughs) Both are highly plausible scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. I just went more folk horror. That's all. And... So, and Claus asks no more questions. He's just like, well, that sounds interesting. Let's see what happens next. Right. He's just like, I'm immortal. Uh, you know, I now deliver toys to all the children of the world. Hey, what's this shit on your shelf, Patch? And he's like, oh, these are my inventions, like an alarm clock. And, you know, Santa or Uncle Claus is like, well, that seems really clever. And then oh, the other one is a plate that whistles when it's too hot. And uh, so then when we cut to the next scene, which is them, like all the Wendigo, <laughs> the Wendigos, waking up to do... <laughs> Because now I just want to see, like, nothing but Wendigos in this movie. Um, That's what happens when you go cannibal, Chad. Um, So (laughs) All of this is highly plausible in our movie. It just doesn't happen. Right. Well, they don't explain it, so it's as 
legit as anything else. Well, in this next scene, you get this extended montage of all the elves making toys in time with the movie soundtrack, and it goes on forever. My question here, though, is when they are awakened, is it Patch's alarm clock that wakes them up? And if so, don't they realize that he's an okay inventor? And if so, Chad, why are they giving him such shit about the pipes to heat the place up? Like... I think that when he says pipes, they're thinking about a smoking pipe. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense. How are we going to heat this place with smoking pipes? The smoke will go everywhere. We don't have enough tobacco. I think that they're just not visionaries. <laughs> they, they, they just haven't opened their eyes to the possibility of pipes. Okay, fair enough. He's like, I wanted to note that the music in this movie was done by Henry Mancini. And, you know, Mancini is most famous for having done the music for the Pink Panther films. And he did, and he wrote Moon River and he did the theme to Charlie's Angels. And the music in this movie is very light and fun. And I think it's one of the better elements of the entire film because it's Henry Mancini. Um, Jerry Goldsmith was supposed to do it. And then he and then he read the script and he's like, "Fuck this." It, well, that, it, that's he said he didn't have the time. The reality yeah, right. was, huh, what? I can't. No. <laughs> hey, have you guys talked to Henry Mancini? He'll do Friday the Thirteenth or whatever the fuck you want him to do. <laughs> have you called Hank? Doesn't give a shit what the script he, says. He'll just do it. He needs to put in a pool. Not at his first home. His second home. Yeah. Yeah. Call him. Right. He'll do it. Right. He's a real journeyman. Uh, composer he doesn't doesn't ask a lot of questions he's like a mob composer he doesn't ask questions you just show up with the reels he puts music under him done and done <laughs> hey henry i got i got this movie it's called it's called santa claus the movie you think you can do something with it just go away for about two weeks come back then during this montage, we get to see Santa's famous suit being made and the color gets switched over from its original green to its famous crimson red. And during the scene where all the toys are being made, there's got to be at least 200 elves in this place hopping around and bopping around. And it finally ends with all the elves putting presents into Santa's bag and teaming up all of the eight reindeer. We then cut to the elves centered in a room where there's a skylight that opens up, revealing the night sky and the North Star, which beams into the factory, allowing snow to fall down and then all the elves just start dancing around and shaking hands and saying season's greetings and the question i had for you bo is what in the hell is going on in this movie yeah i don't know chad i have no idea uh when when that little uh dome opens up and the light comes in and they all start shaking hands with one another did you think independence day (laughs) yeah the end of it where like the goth girl has the welcome alien (laughs) sign on the roof sure (laughs) sure Also, before we get into Old Man Elf, um, one of the things that happens in the montage is they feed the reindeer, and they've got like this fucking fairy dust, Chad, that is like the dankest fairy dust that ever was, and they sprinkle Mm -hmm. it into the moss that the reindeer eat, and that's how they explain later, like when when the reindeer fly, spoilers, Santa Claus's reindeer fly, everyone. Um, that that's the deal. And it becomes a big critical point of, of the story is that the elves are sitting on some kind of pure fairy dust that is magic as shit. So after they've all the seasons greetings each other, which again, doesn't make any sense. It was like, why, why was it this big deal when Sam was like, well, what seasons greetings? Why not just say like, it's when a light shines down, we all shake each other's hand. You know, this <laughs> like what is feels the like, mystery here? This movie feels like it's desperately 
desperately trying to be the Rankin and Bass special Santa Claus is coming to town, but it's not. It's just confusing. And the Rankin and Bass special, in its own sort of ham-fisted, albeit delicate way, if that can be done, does a good job of sort of explaining who Santa Claus is, where he came from, how he met the elves, how you know, the, the ideas of, you know, the idea of the, the stockings and why he comes down the chimney, they touch on all of the different tropes of the Santa Claus mythology. And in this one, you just sort of pinball around all this shit until it just, you know, just falls apart. Until John Lithgow shows up and is like, do you, did I hear you needed a movie? Uh, (laughs) So uh, spoilers, that's my John Lithgow for this episode. Um, But so it's, it's finally Christmas Eve, Chad. It's what we've been waiting for. And, and Uncle Claus is all decked out in the, the red robes and stuff, looking pretty good. As I looked at this outfit, I was like, I bet that's comfortable. Um, He's a great looking Santa Claus. He is, yes. Height, breadth, thickness. He he is a great Santa Claus in this movie. He And I actually, I think his performance it makes this movie not total trash because he is so kind of bubbly and mostly light until he gets suicidal in the last act. We'll get to that. But throughout the entire film, because of the narrative is all over the place the movie feels like a dream but not in a like hey this is my dream job or this is my dream house it's more in a i'm naked in church and i meet a dinosaur kind of way and no more so than during the next scene because again i had never seen this film and when santa's getting ready to take off in his sleigh and it's a very ceremonious moment where all of the elves are there and then they part ways and this I'm trying to think like this elder elf shows up and it's Burgess Meredith. Uh-huh. <laughs> you you want to know how he ended up in this movie, Chad? Did he get lost and stumble onto the set? And it was like, hey, look, here's how the jetpack works. Put this on. What? What? Yeah, you're great. You're going <laughs> to. No, nope, he and Dudley Moore were friends. That's it. <laughs> hey, you want to come be an old elf? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and he did. What is it? A, it's a Santa Claus movie. He's going to eat. Cookies and crap thunder! But see, I associate Burgess Meredith, strangely, even despite the grumpy old men stuff, I associate him with being kind of classy, you know, that he's just like the penguin. Yes. But it's that old school kind of actor. The old, like I did theater. I was, I was on the original twilight zone, you know, like, like that kind of old school guard. And in many ways, like the anti M Emmett Walsh, where like, if you see M Emmett Walsh in a movie, you feel like, like there's plenty of gravy on the set of that movie, you know, that kind of thing. And Burgess Meredith seems like an old school, Hollywood kind of class act. I look at Burgess Meredith and I think if only he had lived long enough for them to make a live action version of King of the Hill whereupon he would have played Cotton. <laughs> he would have been great and he would have killed it. They shot off my knees in Korea. Tojo got my knees. Yeah. Sorry I'm late. I had to stop off at the wax museum and give the finger to FDR for 20 minutes. <laughs> See, it's my favorite cotton line of all time. <laughs> See, he would have been amazing. Uh, anyway, but then, but then he died. Right, then he died. But in this movie, he's like, "Your name is now Santa Claus." And once again, Uncle Claus is like, "All right, you changed my name here, apparently arbitrarily. Fair enough." Yep, yep. 
Just a quick question. Um, have you reached out to the Guinness Book of World Records to tell them that you have a mustache that is clearly over 200 feet long that requires 14 people to carry it as you march down this hallway? Strange old man. I'm trying to tell you the story of Santa Claus. Shut your fucking yap. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> No, you are going to be Santa Claus. And he's like, uh, how they explain, because uh, this movie does, it doesn't do it well, but the movie does try to explain, here's how Santa Claus happens. Like, here, here's all the questions you have answered in film form. And one of those is, well, how, how do you do it in one night? Because Santa Claus, or now Santa Claus, says, well, how do I do it in one night? And Burgess Meredith says, do you give me bacon for breakfast, bacon for lunch, and you drink your dinner that's how you do it in one night shut the hell up where's ann margaret i want you to chase that chicken santa let's play hide the salami oh man he's so good like i just want to do a burgess meredith film <laughs> festival now you know collect all the classics <laughs> everything from like when he was 65 on though just old burgess meredith <laughs> <laughs> when it was hilarious to hear him say naughty things like he was he was betty white before betty white burgess meredith says to santa claus this is your legacy and your gift and all i was waiting for him to say and your curse you know lightning strike lightning strike thunder thunder right um and then he says not for nothing uh by the way you can also fly so just like and and, and and santa claus is just like okay well that all makes sense right he fails to mention <laughs> however like you know i guess you'll pick this up in time but you can also teleport but you'll figure it out <laughs> oh teleport you say well that sounds like quite the thing huh all right and it's also should be noted you can taste people's thoughts well oh i thought that licorice felt like a little regret i'm not gonna lie to you because that would be the flavor of regret, let's be honest. <laughs> Santa finally gets in his sleigh and takes off uh, into the sky. And we then get an extended montage. Um, there's a lot of montages in this movie, but we get this extended montage where we see um, Santa Claus traversing the, the, the clouds and the stars against a black background. And we quickly gloss over 700 years of history. Right. And, you know, there are some dark ages. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Couple of world wars, it, maybe. <laughs> it's just, you know, like, we're taking the 20,000-foot view of this, all right? It's England went to war with France, France went to war with England, Spain got in on there. It was a whole bunch of mess. All right. Which is also funny because the majority of this movie takes place in New York City. And it's like, you know, America was founded during this 700-year montage. Or this montage that covers 700 years. It feels like it takes 700 years, but it's um, there's a lot going on there. It would have been funny to to see him being like, what? They discovered a new country? Oof. <laughs> this is really going to add to my trip. Uh, oof. <laughs> Mother, better put the pot pie on. It's going to be a long night. During this time, the movie does address the issue that there are increased literacy rates among children and their ability to write him letters. And then somewhere in the 17th century, a little girl writes a letter to Santa telling him that her brother is a future serial killer based on his sadistic treatment of her cat. <laughs> and then Mrs. Claus steps in and she's like, hey, this this dude, this kid sounds like an asshole. You shouldn't give toys to kids that are assholes. And Santa's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's let's not do that anymore. Another favorite scene of mine is this kid torturing a cat. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It is. I even I didn't have it in my you know wherewithal to go through 
the credits to see if they threw in the obligatory no animals were harmed during this film because I feel pretty confident that they were not able to say that legally. This cat gets bounced around a lo- quite a bit on the set of this film. When I looked it up on uh, IMDb, there are four cats listed for that character. So, <laughs> <laughs> so three of them didn't. No, I don't think they did, Chad. I did like when they showed all the kids sort of these these washing of children playing with their toys. You see a lot of different ethnicities and and races and you know ages and sexes of children, but um, but the one Asian kid you see has an abacus. <laughs> yeah, yes. How is that even a toy? That's not even a toy. No, it's just what <laughs> Chinese kids like, Chad. That's that again is one of my favorite things in this movie, where it's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is to to quote one uh chad s cooper that is not a dog whistle that's just overt racism <laughs> surprised he wasn't sitting in a rickshaw holding a pair of chopsticks <laughs> right but uh... <laughs> it's so great because like you said it's not a toy it's just like here's a calculator go be smart <laughs> and good at math <laughs> During this montage, Dooley, the older elf, he starts reading Twas the Night Before Christmas to Santa because this is a new poem at the time. And then Santa gets all indignant about the line that says he had a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. And everybody snickers and laughs at Santa because he's fat. And then we get a scene where he's eating carrots and celery so he can get skinny. I don't know why he would do that. I mean, he's just a big fat guy. Just be fat. You know, just own it. Um, Right. You're immortal. What are you worried about? A heart attack? (laughs) You've already died. I don't know. We then move into modern times and we see the elves making more contemporary toys like automobiles and trains. And here's a real problem. Excuse me. Here's one of the many problems I had with this movie. Almost every scene in this film takes place on Christmas Eve. Uh, it's the strangest damn thing of like Santa's delivering toys and he's like whoa Santa you're back and then the next scene it's Christmas Eve again and in fact every scene in this movie is Christmas Eve except for the finale which should be Christmas Eve and it's not right it's in March um (laughs) yeah it's great so yeah the the thing that I you get too much of the uh the the toy making montages like this is kind of the Rocky Four of Christmas movies it is just nothing but montages and a couple of scenes thrown in to string it all together but you know it's weird this movie when it opened it opened against rocky four right it's the battle of the montages and by the way rocky four wins every time because ivan drago is a much better villain than bz i mean as much as i hate to say it and and now that i've said it how much i want to see john lithgow in the role of ivan drago there's not enough money in the world i will break you I will break you! (laughs) He's not human! I will make you bleed. You know, if he played Ivan Drago, the first time that Lithgow landed a good solid punch, he would say, get out of here, you. We don't love you. Be gone with you. Go on, Rocky. We don't want you anymore, Rocky. (laughs) We haven't even gotten to him in this movie yet. That's what I'm so delighted by. Uh, (laughs) So... <laughs> Dooley, yeah, so Dooley reads twice the night before Christmas. Santa eats a celery stalk, uh, and then that never shows up again because who the fuck cares? And then uh, the 20th century is here, Chad, and Santa is almost falling asleep in a suit. It's he is he is tuckered out, uh, as we say. 
<laughs> and they discuss uh, having the elves take over for a year, essentially. Like, somebody be in charge of the toy making part of it. He needs an assistant. He needs an assistant. And who? there are two elves uh, that are in the running for this. One is Patch. Pat. Dudley, Patch Dudley Moore. Right. The other is not Patch. Yeah, Puffy. Who cares? Right. But- uh, whatever. And, and so... What Patch wants to do is, oh, and by the way, Patch invents snow globes here. And, uh, but Patch wants to do like a big industrial revolution thing and have, uh, elves make, uh, all the toys, uh, via machinery. But we'll, we'll get to that because first we have to cut to a different movie where, uh, there's a, a, a ruffian, Chad, a, a young roustabout, uh, mm-hmm. a 10 year old street urchin, <laughs> right? Walking down the snowy streets of New York City city uh-huh yeah i like that w- i like that when the cop car drives past him this kid ducks down an alleyway because this kid has done some shit yeah yeah i like i don't know if it's uh like you know necessarily um an urban cowboy situation uh, i hesitate to go that far uh i think it could be <laughs> like a judy the elf type of thing <laughs> right i i think it's more a situation of like he's broken into a couple of pawn shops uh and and therefore you get the tie with santa and the pawnbrokers it's all coming together chad and uh hey could you could you hang hang on just a second i need to record something uh business idea judy the elf on a shelf as an adult bookstore toy (laughs) all right we're good (laughs) oh god that is horrifying (laughs) oh don't get me started on elves on shelves this kid's name's joe and this kid is hanging on this alleyway and he looks over and he sees this other guy like an adult dressed up as santa and he's ringing a bell asking for donations for something called the urban development fund and then joe the kid he sees this fake santa reaching and grab the money from the collection box and then as you fully expect the dude pulls out a bottle and a brown paper bag of and just gives it a swig uh-huh. and look man it's cold outside i don't fault him for you know you know taking the chill off but then joe the kid gives this santa like a real uh you know you're a low-life drunk screw that guy santas are all assholes sure yeah you know, his experience has been uh santas are jerks and uh so a little rich girl uh who we will come to know as uh well her name's cornella right but we'll come to know her as corny um which is maybe one of the worst nicknames you can have for a beloved character in your film <laughs> can't imagine being a, a a young woman and your nickname is corny like how'd you get that don't ask right like uh, a a core maybe something like that but what's up corny <laughs> uh sorry um <laughs> that's how i would say it every time it would be terrible for her, and i would be a jerk yeah joe looks across the street after he sees the the drunken santa and he sees cornella this little redheaded girl and she look she's doing hermione granger before emma thompson was a, a, a twinkle in her dad's eye and uh cornella's nanny slash housekeeper she tells her she's like get over here and do your homework you know your step uncle isn't gonna you know put up with you being a, a stupid layabout so here we find out that cornella, cornella has no parents and she's got a, a nanny and she's loaded with money and she has an eye for the bad who's hanging out in the snow across the street Yes, she she likes uh, a kid in a leather jacket, you know, from the wrong side of the tracks kind of thing. I got hung up there for a second because you, you referred to Hermione Granger as Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, one of another of my longstanding crushes, was actually married to Kenneth Branagh. 
and did not, in fact. Oh, wait, no. What's her name? Emma Watson. What is her name? Is Hermione. Hold on. Yeah, Emma Watson is Hermione you know Granger. You know what? Scratch that. We'll edit that out. I'll do it again. Ready? Here we go. No. Nope. Joe looks across the street. <laughs> Hold on. Joe looks across the street and he sees Emma Wilson doing her best impersonation of Hermione Granger and Cornelia's nanny, who is also Frank Sutton. Perfect. I don't know. Perfect. Any it will I, seamless. No one will know. Mr. Black. Um, (laughs) So it's a real poor little rich girl scenario where she's like, my uncle probably doesn't even know what grade I'm in. It's like, you live in a mansion. Shut up, kid. (laughs) We go back to the North Pole and Patch and Puffy are vying for this job as Santa's assistant. And Patch tells uh, Puffy that he doesn't lack any elfish assurance. The plot of this movie is now what? This competition? Maybe. It doesn't matter. It's going to bounce around again. Um Patch puts together this thing called the Patchomatic Automatic Toy Constructor, and Puffy's still doing all his work by hand. Patch's machine starts to make a bunch of toys, but it turns out that they're crap because he has no sense of quality assurance in the process. And Patch ends up getting the job as Santa's assistant because he's making the most toys, but this all comes back to bite him in the ass because, as noted earlier, the toys are shittily put together. Yeah, it's it's elf globalization, Chad, uh, and I, I don't care for it. Um... <laughs> we then cut to McDonald's. Oh my god this looks delicious well there are a bunch of people sitting around eating um and most of them are not white did you all right here here's some great things about this mcdonald's commercial in this movie because <laughs> that's what it is it's just like it's it's joe looking through the window of a mcdonald's at people eating mcdonald's food and being like holy shit that looks amazing and did you watch how that one lady ate those french fries she's just got like a like a fistful of them and she's just like like chipper shredding like french fries into her mouth i thought the nugget eating was rather sensual somebody's eating a big mac Uh uh-huh the classic big mac um it is man it it is garish in a way that you seldom see in movies anymore and it's kind of wonderful it is mac and me level product placement where you're just like oh my god like the only thing we don't have in this scene is a ronald mcdonald and let's all thank our lucky stars we 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 missed that (laughs) we then cut to cornella and her mansion and she's eating roast pheasant and lamb coogans (laughs) with her nanny or whoever it is then the the nanny she's like hey i gotta split i'm gonna go watch masterpiece theater and she tells her like you need to learn your latin verb conjugation because we're all highfalutin and then joe just peeks in through the window like looking for a handout and cornella takes him a plate of food and she sets it outside in the snow like you would for a stray dog or a stray cat and but however she includes a can of coca-cola classic yeah and when she puts the can in the snow she turns it oh so slightly so that the label is clearly visible to the camera yeah if you need to go to the can go ahead the commercials are on um yeah it is and you see it from both sides you get the the kind of uh uh you know, basic letter, the basic script coat. And then later in the scene, as uh, Joe is eating like a prisoner because he's a starving <laughs> child, you see him holding the can of Coke. So you see the script coat, the Coca-Cola uh, on the can. And, you know, it's a good ad. It, it, it sells Coke well. 
he guzzles that coke down like it is the nectar of the gods i mean but you know but coca-cola as you noted in the intro has a relationship with santa claus so it's not a bridge too far to think that these two things are going to show up in the same movie i mean how it wasn't called santa claus the movie presented by coca-cola is beyond me right well because like we were a half step away from him having nascar style patches on the red suit It's like, you know, here's a spot for Denny's and here's Ready Lube. Because this movie is perpetually happening on Christmas Eve, Santa is now once again delivering presents. And um, they they all include crappy presents that Patch's machine has made. And so fly- Santa flies over New York, where I think, again, it's the only city that we, Santa, we, that we see Santa visit in this movie. Santa looks down and he sees Joe warming himself by a trash can fire, which is awesome. And then Santa <laughs> just lands a sleigh because he has all the time in the world, according to Burgess Meredith from earlier in the film. Santa goes to Joe and he's like, hey, you know, what are you doing here? And Joe's like, beat it, you wino, you know, you drunken pervert. Like, no, I'm not going to, you know, kiss you under the mistletoe, you weirdo. Right. Get in your sleigh and ride with your reindeer. (laughs) Not again. Um, (laughs) Hey, 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 kid, you want to earn 10 bucks the hard way? All these people Um, talking at me. (laughs) One thing leads to another. Finally, Santa convinces uh, Joe that he's the real Santa because he snaps his fingers and they they zip up on the roof or whatever and santa says hey you want to go ride my sleigh he's like yeah so they fly around in the sleigh and then santa says hey i'm gonna attempt this special move called the triple lindy i I mean the super duper looper and it's basically just doing a loop and then they go to do it but as you noted earlier uh donner is the the chicken shit of the bunch and he backs out because he gets scared and then they fail their attempt to loop around um fuck you another thing i noticed in this movie is there there's a lot of twin towers in this film Mm -hmm. and in movies that were made pre 9 11 that are set in new york you know these two iconic buildings are always prominently featured but now when you watch any movie that you know fell in this time period it's really just a reminder of the most devastating terrorist attack on the united states yeah, it's hard not, like, when he's flying by the Statue of Liberty and, like, you know, how you doing, pretty lady? Ho, ho, ho. Look at those world trades there. Hey, big buildings. You'll be there as long as I'm Santa. Oh. oh Ugh, Santa, no. Well, I'd say that just all joy would die if those buildings ever came down. Sorry. <laughs> It's just a downer and it's not the film's fault. It's just when you watch it, you're like, oh man, it's, it's almost, you know what? I'm, I was about to start making some false comparisons and I'm not going to, it's terribly tragic. It's awful to see them in these movies. And in a movie about Santa Claus, you're like, Hmm, yep. That was a really, really, really bad day that had ramifications that can not even begin to be measured in both pain and dollars, emotional turmoil, Man, the Santa Claus, what are you doing to me here? Speaking of tragedies, Chad, let's get back to this movie, huh? (laughs) Yeah, this this whole flying scene goes on way too long for a number of reasons. And then uh, we decide that Joe's going to help deliver some presents. And um, he, as they're doing so, Joe is like, I almost, I I didn't believe in, you know what? I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm not going to say I didn't believe in you because after all the teleporting and shit, I don't know if you can just Thanos me out of existence or something. Well, Santa tells him, he says, hey, look, every kid who writes me a letter gets a present. He was like, you never wrote me a letter, Joe? And then Joe says, well, no, because I never believed in. And then he stops himself. And what you think is that 
that he was going to say, I never believed in Santa. But I think what he was going to say is that I never believed in learning to read and write. Right, schooling was the next word. I'm street smart. I'm not book smart. You know, I spent a week on the streets and I got a lot of hard lessons in a short time. I'm not going to school. That's for sucker Santa. He pulls up his shirt and just starts showing him scars and burn marks and homemade tattoos. (laughs) Yeah, just gang (laughs) tattoos on him. These are my diplomas. (laughs) Right. This shows what I've learned. You know how I got this teardrop Santa? Uh, so, (laughs) So... they end up in the rich girl's house in, in Corny's house. And then Cornella comes out and busts Santa and Joe by the tree. And then Joe and Cornella, they introduce themselves to one another. And Joe immediately comes up with the nickname for her of Corny. Yeah. Like he, he's like, hi, my name's Cornella. I'm going to call you Corny. Yeah. What? <laughs> Why are you doing that? That's not my name. And I give you food and delicious, savory Coca-Cola. Why on earth? I'm going to call you Corny. Right. I, I, I really prefer you don't. You're you're quite a card, Corny. <laughs> you know any good knock-knock jokes? I'll bet you do. It sounds like something a Corny would say. <laughs> she has to change her whole personality just to fit this new reality she's been thrown into. <laughs> Starts doing prop comedy for no reason. Santa leaves, Santa leaves Joe with Corny. And then he promises to come back and see Joe again next Christmas Eve. Or as this movie's going to call it, the very next scene. Um, we cut to children playing with the toys that Patch's machine has made, and they're all just falling apart. They're pieces of shit. And one kid has a wagon, and like the 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 handle comes loose, and the wagon rolls into the street where a school bus runs it over, and then the school bus just keeps on driving. Right. Which is pretty amazing. No, that driver ain't looking back, man. Like, whatever happened, it's in the past. You don't want to deal with whatever. Hey, hey, it, it was probably nothing, Chad. It was probably... It was probably nothing. All I saw was a wagon. I didn't see a kid. Um, the the other thing I love in this scene, though, is there's another uh, girl with some like real shitty wooden scooter. Again, all of these gifts are garbage. Even if they worked, they're garbage. And she's pushing herself along, and the whole front end of the thing just collapses into parts. And she falls onto the sidewalk and just starts screaming, crying. And it is hilarious. Looks like one of those cars from the end of Gung Ho. Right, it's like in America's Funniest Home Video in the middle of this movie where you just see a child hurt. (laughs) Joe is in the schoolyard. He's getting his ass kicked by bullies because Joe says that Santa's a great guy and the bullies are beating him up because Santa's toys are cheap crap. And then Corny's in ballet class because of course she is. And there are two girls there mouthing off to her about how, you know, she's on team Santa and Santa sucks. And one girl tells Corny that um, the reason she didn't get any presents because her parents are dead. And then uh, Corny just like, like bitch slaps her real hard. And then the, they, they kind of get into a cat fight and it's pretty awesome. Right. Well, the kids mouthing off about her parents being dead. Sure. You know, that's rough talk in the elementary school. Um, also, why are all the kids like, hey, Joe and Corny, what's with Santa Claus? What a piece of shit he is, huh? Like, are they, is it common knowledge that they're like hanging out with Santa on Christmas Eve's now? Or is it just that they're like, hey, you know who's a big friend of mine? You know who's a personal close friend of mine? Santa. I know him. Yeah, by name. I, I, call, I can call him Santa, not Mr. Claus. I think it's the latter more than the former. 
performer. I think that they're just mouthing off about how she saw him and they met him and they were there and he flew in his sleigh. You know how kids are, man. They're always like bragging about shit. And then the other kids are just like, let's just go beat him up. You know how kids right. are. They're always beating people up for shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's how we thin out the pack, Chad. Um, we go back to the North Pole and suddenly this giant chimney um, that has a fireplace at the bottom of it, as chimneys are wont to do, it gets flooded with this downward barrage of broken wooden toy parts, which I don't understand how any of this happens. Yeah, if you, like, are they writing a letter that says, like, this is a piece of shit, come pick it up, and then it, <laughs> and it floats up? Because we at least have an established, you know, hey, if you write a letter to santa it goes to santa but is there a lifetime warranty on all of santa's gifts so that if one breaks it just floats magically back to the north pole for repair well how about this santa and Dooley are talking about you know hey this is real bad and we're getting a lot of returns on our toys who is returning free toys uh, just throw it in the trash man you didn't spend any money for it yeah i mean most of these kids are never gonna know how crappy like how how ill manufactured these toys were because they're gonna throw them right in the trash to begin with they're again they're terrible patch comes in and santa's all pissed off because of these shoddy toys and then patch quits his job before santa can fire him and then patch just leaves the north pole i mean his shame is too great and he walks away in the snow with a bindle attached to a stick and is there a more sad way to walk away from a situation except for with a bindle attached to a stick if there's like either a two young or too old dog following you mm, i think that's good yeah what if you played that incredible hulk piano music while you were walking away with a bindle on a stick with a very old dog oh niagara falls frankie <laughs> speaking of a good christmas movie so all right, all right we're almost so, to the good shit chat so um so close so but worth noting that on his way out patch helped himself to a whole bindle full of the magic shit. Well, who doesn't, when quitting a job, stock up on office supplies? <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, it's paper clips of the Elf Kingdom. Um, <laughs> Grab a couple of lunches from the fridge on your way out. <laughs> I gotta tell you, total aside, um, when I was working in Dallas years and years ago i had just started a new job that forced me into travel right away it was when i was doing some consulting work and i had no money and i was that asshole that stole a lunch from the fridge one day you stole a lunch i did i totally but I, I had no choice man i had no money and i needed for like two days so i was like this looks like it i saw this same plate in here yesterday so it's going home with me well we've learned something about you it, look it was desperate times man there there wasn't a continental breakfast at the place So, Chad, finally, we are at the point of the film that is truly the reason we're talking about this movie tonight. Uh, It has taken over an hour of screen time to get here, but now enter the character of BZ as played by John Lithgow. He's got uh, some prominent fake upper teeth that are, are just the best. Um, Real oily, the kind of guy who wears a fur lined trench coat. And he is acting. Well, it's John Lithgow. Right. He's in front of like a a Senate hearing or something, answering questions about his company, the BZ Toy Company. And one of them is a Betty Beauty doll, which it turns out is (laughs) if (laughs) if there is something more than flammable, 
you know, like something that really goes up good. Um, that is what this Betty uh, Betty Beauty doll is, and uh, you know, John Lithgow is like, oh, it's just it's just an anomaly, huh? And then they wheel out a teddy bear that has been packed with sawdust, nails, and glass. This is a real E. Buzz Miller line of products. Yes. Making this the second time that E. Buzz Miller has been brought up in this season, which I did not expect to happen at all. No, but it's welcome, uh, as far as I'm concerned. The name of John Lithgow's toy company is the BZ Toy Company. If you drop the phonetic E in E. Buzz Miller, you pretty much have BZ Toy Company. Yeah, yeah. It No, it is pretty glaring, I feel. So, and he's just like, well, I'll, I'll immediately look at you. And... <laughs> The uh, the editor is like, no, 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 no. You need to take all of these off the shelves today. Like, people are going to get killed by these things. He tells Lithgow, he says, if you don't take them off the shelf, you're going to lose your license to manufacture in the United States. Oh, really? Please don't throw me in the briar patch. Does this senator think that any of these products were manufactured in the United States? Not likely. At best, Chad, they were made as a byproduct of some kind of you know, South American cartel that was looking to get rid of their waste products like sawdust, nails, and glass. They somehow shipped it over to Puerto Rico, then brought it into Miami. They were able to, you know, grease the (laughs) wheels there to make it look like it was manufactured in the good old U.S. of A. Yeah. No. These toys aren't shipped to the United States. They're smuggled. Lithgow leaves this hearing, and he is with his, I think it's his lawyer named Towser. And this guy starts telling him, you know, more and more bad news of the financial impact of all of these scandals related to their glass and nail and sawdust filled toys and this character of Towser is basically Lewis Tully Ghostbusters came out a year prior to this movie being released and this performance is a complete ripoff of Rick Moranis in a much better movie yeah he's real kind of manic and spastic and whatnot and his hair his glasses his just his hunch the way he walks it just it looks like this guy's dressed up as Lewis Tully for Halloween yeah, it. So we then uh, are looking at Pat, uh, who is alone in the city, and he is watching shopkeepers remove uh, the BZ toys from the display windows, and he's like, "Hey, they must be super popular. Look how the, like the, these toys are going like hotcakes. They can't keep them in the window uh, because he's a dumb elf." And then he poofs away scaring a wino and Mm -hmm. it's here that i was reminded oh yeah once upon a time chad you could just have a homeless alcoholic in your movie for comic relief (laughs) hell there was a character on the andy griffith show who that was his whole persona of just being a hilarious alcoholic yeah yeah times have changed uh (laughs) Otis the Drunk from the Andy Griffith Show is our leader. (laughs) Little Mojo Nixon for you there. Uh, Another thing that's always a welcome around these parts. I like that Patch can magically pop in and out of places the way Santa Claus does. And when Santa goes up and down the chimney throughout this entire film, it reminded me a lot of how Samantha Stevens would make people and objects appear and disappear on Bewitched. Like there are times where people are like, like, where are you going? And then they hold still and then the actor runs around to another part of the set or just leaves the set and then they, you know, <laughs> turn the cameras back. Uh-huh. On. 
There's a really, <laughs> really good uh, example of this modern day practice here where, so BZ or John Lithgow enters his office and, and immediately uh, patch the elf starts fucking with him. He's sitting in his chair, first of all, and kind of does that spin around of like, you know, good evening, BZ. And, uh, <laughs> Then he starts poofing all around the room, which is exactly what you're talking about. This Samantha Stevens bullshit of like, and it's Lithgow running around like a homunculus. Like, where did you go? Are you over here on the shelf? And, and you know, Dudley Moore's like, these shelves are full of delicious progresso soup. <laughs> I don't understand it. I'm an alien. Um. Oh, and by the way, the, the when they're doing all this poofing around nonsense, it is the ugliest wide shot of the film, and they never break it because of, like, oh, here's the magic, you know? <laughs> oh, it's so ugly. It looks so bad. And then they get around to actually having a scene, and uh, he, like, Patch introduces himself as an elf, and uh, Lithgow is like, an elf? And he's like, yes, I thought what I'd do is elf explanatory. And it's, ugh. you know, you know what? This movie can go fuck itself. So, hey, look at that. I'm coming up with my own little dirty version of their stupid ass bones. <laughs> so Patch wants to help BZ. And the whole plan is he's going to help BZ make special toys so that Santa will appre- appreciate him and, and, and think that he's not a total fuck up, which he was. And which he is. Right. <laughs> yeah, as we will see. And Lithgow kind of comes around to the idea when Patch is like, I don't understand what money is. And he's like, oh, well, that's interesting. And it, it's a real like, you know, oh, how about beads and blankets, Patch? Lithgow says, we need to advertise and if we can put him on TV. He's like, where do you think we should advertise this new mysterious toy you're going to work on? And Patch says, well, we need to be on every TV station in every country. And then Lithgow's like, wah, 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 wah. Oh, you know, he's freaking out because this is going to cost a fortune. And then Patch tells Lithgow, well, if you give extra kisses, you get bigger hugs. That's what Santa's wife is always saying. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that one alone. It, it makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. And also Patch isn't the only elf to have heard those words. So when you did the whoa, whoa, what? The real beauty of this scene comes when uh, Lithgow is like, well, how much do we charge for these things? And Patch says, well, nothing. It'll be free. And he does, I mean, is a quintuple take to <laughs> too small a number. It's just a what? <laughs> it is delicious. He quickly comes around and realizes this might be good PR because of his horrible burning slice and dice toys that he was selling. And then Patch tells Lithgow that this new toy will have a secret ingredient. And then he opens up his hand to show some of that reindeer cocaine that they handed out earlier that made them fly. And Lithgow's like, dude, that's dude, that's the good shit. All right. You know that looks I mean? pure. Like that, that's, some, that's some of that Montana gold I've been hearing about. Yeah, that hadn't been touched yet. I like it. The next scene, Lithgow is explaining his business model to Towser, his lawyer. And he is essentially leveraging the exact same business plan that is used by drug dealers. The first one's free. The second one is going to cost you. And it's going to cost you good. 
essentially this guy is planning to sell drugs to children. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And doesn't know what it does yet at this point. He saw that stuff in his hand and he was like, this is going to fuck them up. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be so then, riddling times a million. They go visit Patch, who's working on the delivery system for this new wink wink toy. And I'm guessing that this delivery system is either going to be a spoon lighter combo or just a really nice straw. <laughs> and yeah. it, it, it turns out that the lawyer has prototypes for how they're going to deliver this product and their lollipops. And then Patch picks one out and then he tells Towser the lawyer, he's like, well, why don't you pick a color? And then Towser says puce. Then Lithgow makes a comment that's directed at him possibly being gay. Is that what it was? Like a slur against him? Like, I've always had questions about you. You liking puce? Look at me. I'm a man's man. I wear fur and spats. I smoke cigars. I put large things that look like cocks in my mouth all the time. I'm clearly not gay like you. I worry about you, Towsy. Now, here, <laughs> hold my phallic cigar. Um... Yeah, the sometimes I worry about you is one of those things of like, again, it's like seeing the wino. It's like, eh, you don't see that anymore. We, we had to knock that shit off. Back, back in the North Pole, Santa's carving an elf portrait of Patch that he's going to give to Joe. And then we cut back to New York where they're putting together a commercial for this new drug they're going to sell to children. And in the commercial, it's got a lot of tits and ass uh, just kind of dancing around. And in the commercial, Patch says that this is going to be a new present that's going to be under everyone's tree and it's going to be free. And Corny is watching the commercial on TV and then her nanny says, hey, Corny, your uncle has stopped by to say hello. And so Corny goes in the other room and it turns out that her uncle is John Lithgow. Dum, dum, dum. I want to tell you, I did not see this twist coming in the movie when I watched it. Eh, it doesn't matter all that much, so it's it's all right. I mean... It doesn't. You know, the other twist recently that I didn't see coming like most people was in um spider-man homecoming that michael keaton is the father of the girl that peter parker is sweet on oh are you saying that spider-man homecoming took its cues from santa claus the movie no i'm just saying that most people who didn't see that coming in spider-man were probably racist because when it happened they were like wait he's her dad oh my gosh but he's white and she's oh what does that say about me? <laughs> lordy, lordy. Surprise me. Uh, <laughs> Surprise me because I was like, Michael Keaton's what, 70? How old is he? Yeah, yeah. But by the way, thanks for turning in the best scene in the movie with him in the car. I mean, <laughs> shit. It was good. Um, <laughs> Let's get back to our shit. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, I can talk about Spider-Man Homecoming all night. Like Vulture, look, the <laughs> redesign on the costume alone is worthy <laughs> of an episode. Stop all right. It. Stop so, it. Stop BC it. then goes to the factory um, where Patch unveils his Dr. Seuss sleigh. And he's like, you know, here's what I'll use to take toys to all the children. <laughs> and I don't know. How is it Christmas Eve again? I Look, man. Wasn't it? It was Christmas Eve like three days ago, right? Because, hold on. He, they, Santa gave the toys away and the toys were shitty. And then they all came back and then Patch was like, okay, sorry. I'm getting my bindle and my old dog and da, 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 da. <laughs> he's he's it off in the snow. It's like, okay, so we're like a week after Christmas, two weeks maybe. And then suddenly it's Christmas Eve yet again. Yeah. Well, that's when all the action happens, man. I don't want to see right. June 8th of this movie. What are we doing? Uh, just working in the factory today. What's happening at the North Pole? Just making more toys and shit. 
All right. <laughs> Hello, Sam. Great morning, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, everybody gets all excited. Uh, like BZ's there, Towser's there. Everybody cheers, patch on, and um, he takes off in his rocket sled, which is just too complicated. You know, they're like drummer boys turning lights around and whirly barber pole things. It's just too much. And it's powered by some of that reindeer cocaine, too. Oh, right? God, yeah. And <laughs> it is. that That's what makes it fly. Did you notice that when he turns on his flying hover car, that the sound effects that they use for it are the their sound effects from the Atari 2600 version of Pac-Man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it that's even more pronounced later in the movie when he's bouncing <laughs> around and what what now it's like oh specifically the atari pac-man that is a choice huh that brings back a lot of bad memories santa claus the movie i don't mind telling you game was a real disappointment to a child on christmas morn santa comes back to visit joe and to give him this wooden carving of patch and what has joe been up to for the last year speaking of what people were doing was he just running around the streets, grifting, Everybody's you know, picking pockets? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He look, Joe's doing what Joe needs to do to get by, Chad. That's what Joe's doing. <laughs> Check in on June eighth in Joe's movie. You're gonna see some shit. Joe and Santa get in the sleigh and fly around again uh to go deliver presents. And then suddenly it's the next morning, or some people call it Christmas, and everybody is opening their presents, uh, I mean their box of drugs, and it's a lollipop. And Corny says, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. Good for her. But her nanny's like, I'll eat anything. So she pops it in her mouth, and she literally gets high and starts floating around the room. Mm -hmm. And the fish song starts playing. Beach balls come in. There's some pastel lights bouncing around. Bouncing There's some around. some kids playing basketball out on the streets, and he eats his lollipop, which allows him to get high so that he can slam dunk against the big kids. There's one kid that gets high, and he's flying around the kitchen stealing cookies from the cookie jar because he's got the munchies. And, you know, kids all over the world are getting high and breaking rules, man. And not since the ELFS from Santa Claus uh, have things been so scary in regards to floating children in a movie. Um, yeah, it, it's real unfortunate to see so many, uh, kids turning to, to the pop as they call it to get their float on. <laughs> Lith <laughs> Lithgow trots patch out in front of the press and, uh, everybody wants to know what's in the lollipop, you know, cause Hey man, I'll tell you, you really want to know that the FDA, yeah. cause they would shut this down immediately. Right. <laughs> hey, what makes your people float? And he's like, it's, it's, you know, it's just, you know, juices and berries Natural ingredients. Right, right. <laughs> Elf. Like, what? Elf-sustaining farming It's mostly cocaine. It's, it's cocaine, heroin, synthetic phenobarbital. There's a fish um, paralyzer. A little bit of Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> <laughs> the blood of a unicorn and um, the tears of a witch. Well, that'll kick you back. <laughs> and... <laughs> And as soon as they like get around, like they they let Patch skate pretty easily on the uh, the ingredients question. But as soon as some of the reporters get around to, like, oh yeah, by the way, BC, about your uh, sawdust nails and glass stuffed bears, we still have some questions about that. And he's like, this conference is over, and <laughs> like starts shoving Patch uh, out of the way. Even though Patch is like, what did he say about murdering children again? 
He's like, don't worry about it, Patch. Um, and so he Patch says, well, now that we've done that, I can go back to the North Pole now. Because the whole the whole point of this was I want to show Santa that I could do something good and worthwhile. Even though I would argue he accomplished none of those things. And we now have a, an entire globe of strung out floaters. Yes. <laughs> so uh, BZ, though, is like, hey, my golden goose is about to fly the coop. That's that's a line I got from Batman the Animated Series. Um, <laughs> so um, he says, look, you need to stay for the kids. Because now that they've had a taste of this floaty uh, magic business, that um, they're going to want something more. And because, again, he's a drug dealer. He knows. He's like, we've got them where we want them, Patch. And he says we need to make a, like a higher quality, better, less stomped on product, a little more pure, and and it'll make the kids fly for real. And we'll what we're gonna do is we're gonna release this shit on March twenty fifth because we don't want to wait a whole year to drop this on the on the public, and we're gonna call March twenty fifth Christmas two. Is this movie smarter than we give it credit for? I mean, is it maybe being, is it, is it indicting commercialism and capitalism and the drug culture? <laughs> no, Chad. This movie that prominently featured someone biting into a Big Mac for no reason is not, you know, playing 3D chess here. Um, it is a terrible movie um, where it thought that the idea of kids floating around uh, and ultimately flying was just as, as cute as a bug in a rug. And here we are. Patch agrees to make this more potent, fucked up version of the drug so that people can really get fucking high. And he says, hey, what if I make it in candy cane shapes? And they're like, he's like, that sounds awesome, man. This is going to get people high six ways to Sunday. And Patch is like, all right, I'm down for it. I'll, I'll do this for you. And then, you know, I'm out of here. I'm headed back to uh, the North Pole. And then Santa's back at, his home and he begins to question if Christmas is really worth it anymore. He begins to question his own existence and he thinks that John Lithgow may be smarter than him. To your point earlier, it looks like he's kind of going down a pretty dark path. He needs somebody to, you know, probably talk him out of this. We come back to Corny's mansion and then Joe shows up and he's sick with fever. Corny tells him he can come in and he can stay in the basement till he gets better, you know, like a dog would. And then <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, put a put a couple of towels down Joe, you can lay on that for the next couple of days. I know it's cold cement that is directly beneath these paper-thin towels. Is it drier than outside, Joe? Yeah. Yes, it is. Is it warmer than outside by at least a degree? It is. Yeah. It, it looks like Gotham City out there. Is that where you want to be? No, it's not. Enjoy the basement. Ungrateful. We come back to the North Pole and then Puffy, that other elf, he comes in and he shows Santa this new doll that he's cre that he's created that will piss itself. And then Santa asks if it can fly, which it clearly can. <laughs> and so Puffy's just like, no, it just pisses itself. And it's just like, get out of here, you. Right. <laughs> just, and I then, can't look at any of you. Towser, the lawyer, shows up at Lithgow's house. And he tells him, hey, man, I got some bad news. Um, those candy canes were cranking them out, but when they get too hot, they explode and they'll kill people. And Lithgow says, but man, they're bringing in so much money. And I think we might be able to put Santa out of business. 
which how do you put Santa out of business when his model is just giving toys away for free? Right, right. Just Well, what he's doing, he's playing the mind game, Chad. This isn't about money. <laughs> it's just about humiliating Santa to the point he just stops doing it. If you come in with a dollar and you say you want four quarters, we'll give you four quarters or 10 dimes or 20 nickels or 100 pennies. We'll give you <laughs> 50 pen- pennies and five dimes. <laughs> We'll do that for you. People ask us how we make a profit, and I answer them. It's volume. <laughs> that is one of my favorite lines from SNL, because it makes no sense. Just like, we're going to put Santa Claus out of business. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. it. <laughs> no, you're not. Well, like I said, man, he's got Santa on the ropes, like Santa's listening to The Cure up at the North Pole. Just wondering if anything's worth anything at this point. <laughs> Everybody hurts. Sometime. Oh, that is a terrible song. Don't let anyone tell you different. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody hurts really means something to me. No, it doesn't. It's just bad. It's bad and it's childish. <laughs> so Towser says, hey, man, we got a problem with these candy canes. They blow up and they kill people. But since Joe was in the basement like a dog and Corny's there with him, they overhear all of this. And then Joe sneezes, uh, you know, giving up the ghost. And then Lithgow Lithgow and and Towser, they capture Joe and Corny just lets him get nabbed. She's full on like, I don't know that kid. Take him. I've never seen him before. I'm rich. He's poor. Out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I ain't going down for this kid. Not in a million years. Not at all. And, And I like the fact that BZ says, put him on ice. Doesn't that mean to kill him? That's my understanding, Chad. <laughs> You're going to kill a child? Well, we saw his toys, so okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, it's just an escalation. We saw somebody hurting a cat earlier. And like any <laughs> killer, you just escalate. Lithgow tells Towser that the two of them are going to leave the country with all of the money that's been coming in for their drugs, which is all in cash in unmarked bills. And then they're going to disappear to Brazil because they can't be extradited from there. And they're going to let Patch the Elf take the fall for this. Here's another thing I love about this movie. Because it begs the question in my mind. Did any parent have to explain extradition to their child after this movie? (laughs) What was expedition? I think they explained what rehab was. Right. It's so good. I love it. Uh, I love everything about this scene. Um, And then... BZ is like, hey, uh, we got to toss this kid into the limit. Let me call my driver, my muscle, who's just going to toss him in the back of a car and off they go. And um, the the driver ends up tying Joe to a fucking pipe in some other abandoned building. It's not a drastic step down from the basement he was in, all things being equal. Hell, it might be a step up depending on the temperature. Right. If, if, there, if this is one of Patch's heat pipes. Everything's coming up Joe in this scene. <laughs> Corny writes a letter to Santa and says, hey, man, Joe got kidnapped and one of my family members did it. And then Santa immediately gets the letter and he's like, oh, shit. So he teams up six of his reindeer because two of them have the flu. I don't understand why this happens in the movie. And then Santa goes out and gives his reindeer a pep talk that they got to go save Joe. And these reindeer don't understand the words coming out of his mouth. They're just looking at me like, huh? <laughs> it's like they understand yo, like, whoa. Yeah, you know, Cupid's got a hard that, on. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing so, to differentiate them. And yeah, I mean, I think the whole point of this is just to rub Donner's face in it a little bit more. 
to be like, you suck, Donner. It's only because you're not even part of this team that they actually accomplish <laughs> something. Patch is whipping up these candy canes, and he has to go down to get some of that uh, reindeer cocaine to put into his big machine. And it's here that he finds Joe tied up in the basement of this meth lab, and he rescues Joe. And then Joe mouths off to Patch, and he calls patch a dumb punk and he says you're a stupid idiot and he says you know santa doesn't like you and then patch sees the wood carving that santa gave to joe and this wood carving is of patch himself so patch puts two and two together and is like hey santa still likes me he made a wood carving of me well what he says Um, chad is more horrifying it's he (laughs) he carved my elf portrait (laughs) i was just thinking maybe it's like some sort of Nordic voodoo doll that he was just going to torture it unless it because patch said oh that's me I was like oh that's a carving of patch but it could have been anything it's a crude crude uh piece of work um like all of this stuff is all of the Santa toys are garbage in this movie it's really unfortunate like I'm not saying BZ's to- right but I'm saying you give me a lollipop that makes me float or a little wooden wagon I will take the moments of weightlessness of the miracle of flight for just a second compared to this crappy red wagon. Without a doubt. Of course. What you're saying is, hey, do you want this crappy toy or you want to get high? (laughs) Well, I want to get high. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Patch decides to take Joe and put him in his flying car and load up all of the drugs that they have and deliver those to Santa as a present for him. Won't that be fun? And Santa shows up at Corny's house and he abducts her. And Corny (laughs) tells Santa, hey, look, the candy cane drugs explode when they get near a heat source. Patch fires up his flying sleigh mobile and the the candy cane drugs are in the trunk of the vehicle near the engine that gets really hot. Uh Uh-oh. When he fires up this ride, they blast off and they're headed from New York back to the North Pole. And it's here that Santa and Corny see them and the two of them give chase. Right. We cut back to John Lithgow's place. A bit, his place of business and the cops show up and then Lithgow's like oh shit I'm going to prison so he just jams four or five of these candy canes in his mouth and he gets really high <laughs> and he gets so high that he just jumps out the window of his building and floats up into the sky uh-huh yeah well a dummy does it's pretty good <laughs> and uh but I like the idea of like you'll you'll never take me alive coppers let me eat the floaty candy canes um and then <laughs> after the dummy flies off and, and John Lithgow leaves the movie, at least for the most of it, um, then we cut back to Patch and Joe just flying around. And it reminded me of like a shitty version of the uh, the ride Soren, where it's just like, look at us going over glaciers. It's like, this is so clearly like green screened in. Yeah, it reminded me of, Wayne and Garth, like, look at us. Here we are in Paris. Who wants a pizza? Oh my gosh, now we're in England. <laughs> right. Look, there's Big Ben over there. Yeah, it is It is so cheap looking. It's just unfortunate because, you know, some effects hold up, some don't, and very few in, in this movie uh, hold up well at all. But this in particular, this kind of Superman flight technology, because it's all the, you know, same people who did the special effects for Superman 3 and, and Supergirl and shit like that. 
And that's what it looks like. It, it doesn't look any better or worse. And, and I would say it doesn't look very good to begin with. Santa's following Patch and Joe in their flying car. And he's in his sleigh with Corny. And the candy canes start getting really hot. And then Santa comes up behind them and he does his triple Lindy loop-de-loop right when the candy canes explode in Patch's car. And then Santa circles up in the air and then comes down and he catches Patch and Joe after they've been exploded out of the flying car and they land in the back of Santa's sleigh. It doesn't make any sense at all why he does this loop-de-loop. It's the scene. The whole scene is really, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the opposite of suspenseful. Uh, uh, inevitable. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're right. Like there is no reason for him to do this stupid loop trick. It would make much more sense if he just like cruised beside them and was like, "Hey, your shit's about to blow up. Jump in." Or even just flew under them so that you have a little time. I just it's all dumb. We cut back to the North Pole and Mrs. Claus is there and they decide that they're just going to adopt Joe and Corny because they don't have any kids. That doesn't make any sense. And then everybody at the North Pole just dances around. And the last scene of the movie is we cut to John Lithgow floating into the upper layers of the atmosphere where he will most certainly die of asphyxiation or hypothermia, right? Probably, but on the way, he is going to continue to hilariously just go, whoa, as he floats along. It's a delight. I'll tell you, you you give me any scene with John Lithgow in this movie and I'm all right. But you're right, that's it. It's him floating around like a big goof and, you know, Finn, as the French say. And that's Santa Claus the movie. It is indeed. And that is, by my math, Chad, all six movies of season four. And so you, you had never seen this. What, what is your takeaway from Santa Claus, the movie beyond, oh my God, do I own it? Do I own enough copies? It's just, it's, it's just bad. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. It's poorly written. It's ill-conceived. It feels like a money grab. Everything about it is just terrible. And as if I were to rank our, as, as we do each season, we go through and we rank them from best to worst or worst to best. This is my bottom. Th- there's nothing that we've seen this season that is worse than this. Really? Oh, wow. Yes. This is, this is not my, my worst film by a stretch. Um, uh, I, 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 like, it's not good. It's a terrible, terrible movie. But I think things like, <laughs> like the abacus really makes me laugh genuinely as does the uh, the cat scene where you're just like, oh my God, they're actually hurting that cat. Um, that probably says more about me than the movie itself. But uh, I think it's it's not, it, it, there's too much of it that's a bunch of montages and it gets a little too boring and it runs like an hour, 50 minutes and it's just too long. But there's some hilarious stuff in it. So how would you rank these movies? Clearly, we both know our number one. It's Home Alone. Oh, yes. that's, that's a... That's a good movie, but Home Alone's number one. What are you putting at your two, three, four, five, six of these films? I would go the Santa Claus is probably a distant number two. Then probably this Santa Claus, the movie, then Vacation, uh, Chris, Christmas Vacation, Jingle All the Way, and Dr. Seuss, I think, is a nightmare put to film. I think that's awful. Yeah, you you and I have very different rankings on this. All right. One. I have Home Alone number 1. 
I have Jingle All The Way number two. Now, let me just say, there is a huge gap between those, and the bottom five are really tightly stacked. (laughs) I think Jingle All The Way is my number two because of our conversation. I will enjoy that movie in perpetuity because of how much fun I had talking with you about it. Okay. I'm going to put Vacation after that, also because of our conversation, and that now I have the the phrase attic dungeon has made its way into my lexicon when I can remember those phrases. Um, following that, the Santa Claus, then the Grinch, and then Santa Claus the movie. So I have another question yes. for you, for all of those loyal listeners out there. We've watched a lot of really bad movies. Are there any really good recommended Christmas movies that you have um, for people who may be looking for something that is a, a quality motion picture that would be suitable and enjoyable for the whole family. Uh, probably not. Not maybe not for the whole family. I'm a big uh, fan of Scrooge. That's that's probably my favorite kind of pure Christmas movie. I'm also I'll tell you here's one for the whole family. Uh, if they don't mind a little suicide whipped on them, um, it's a Wonderful Life. Uh, has long been one of my favorite movies ever made and continues to be. You ask me on the right day, I'll, I'll tell you that's a little bit better than The Thing. I, I That's a tremendous film. It's got one of the best performances in the history of cinema in that movie. I'm a big fan of Arthur Christmas. I can't recommend that enough. I think that Robert Zemeckis' interpretation of A Christmas Carol, which also features Jim Carrey in multiple roles, is arguably the most faithful adaptation of the source material that I've ever seen and is quite good. It's not very funny. And aside from maybe one or two scenes, Jim Carrey is very well directed in that, that he doesn't, you know, talk out of his ass and, <laughs> and get all crazy. Um, but it's, it's really well done. Um, those are two that, that I would recommend unilaterally. Yeah. I'm also, you know, I like love, love actually is one that, um, maybe not for the whole family because of the, the scenes with the porn actors in it. That's a little dicey, but, um, there's a lot of good movies out there. So Yeah. And uh, and if I could throw in one more uh kind of Christmassy adult uh movie, um I would I would say The Ref. I think The Ref is actually a really fun Christmas movie. The Ref is excellent. So that is our season. The War on Christmas movies. We hope everyone has enjoyed this. As always, we're going to take a little bit of time off and hunker down, uh go back and figure out uh when we want to deliver a brand new fresh season which we are titling the old men and dc (laughs) where we will be taking on six live action adaptation of dc comics so i'm excited i'm excited to first of all i'm very excited about the title of the season that is that is one of my favorite things that's ever happened and uh i'm very excited to talk about comic book movies because uh we we talked about the halloween movies that is one uh, one, uh, you know, facet of, uh, uh, of my passion and, uh, comic books are kind of another, except not any DC ones. So look for me <laughs> for, to be saying things like, oh yeah, well sometimes in the X-Men, this would happen. So, you know, when I was watching Santa Claus, the movie, I was actually thinking, so Santa Claus is kind of like a combination of the original angel and Nightcrawler. I have no response to that. Next season ought to be good. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Like, rate, review. Send us a comment. You can find us at PickSixMovies.com. And um, we will be back in just a few short weeks with six brand new episodes. Um, 
that uh, are falling more into Bo's wheelhouse with his passion and love of comic books, specifically detective comic books. So, uh, everybody, have a Merry Christmas. Bo, to you as well. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we will see you all in uh, in the new year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas.